Sound of Truth starts now. Welcome to Sound of Truth Weekly Interview, as we seek to inform, inspire, and encourage you in your walk with Christ through engaging interviews of ordinary people in whom God is doing an extraordinary work. I'm your host, Brett Morani, and I'm excited that you've chosen to join us. I'm happy to say I have Alan Duncan on the phone with me and also have my son Chase in the studio for at least a portion of this time we have together. He'll have to slip out, but um, Alan is originally from Kenya. His parents were missionaries to Kenya, and he was raised there. He came back to the States for college, and he ended up on the mission field himself for 16 years, and then he also served the International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention after his time overseas uh, for a few more years as well. We'll get the full story from him in just a moment, but Alan is married to Andrea, and they currently make their home in Morristown, Tennessee area, where he serves as an associate pastor at Manly Baptist Church, which just happens to be my wife Lacey's home church where she grew up. So, Alan, welcome to Sound of Truth. We're glad to have you on the podcast. Thanks, Brad. I appreciate that. Good to be with Chase, too. Yes, sir. You know it. So uh, <laughs> let's start with just your start. Uh, I'd be thrilled to do that. Thanks so much, Brett. Uh, I, I tell folks I was in church nine months before I was born, and I've been there ever since. And that literally is the case when your dad is a preacher and uh, your parents uh, end up following the Lord to the mission field as missionaries. So I used to tell folks I would ask my dad, Dad, do I have to go to church? And he'd say, no, son, you get to go to church. And I'd try to figure that out on the way to church. But uh, <laughs> I remember... <laughs> I actually was born uh, in Texas while my dad was uh, in seminary, finishing up seminary, and uh, then he moved to East Tennessee to pastor a church. But when I was six years old, we moved to uh, uh, Kenya in East Africa. I actually moved to the city of Mombasa, a port city. I don't know if anybody listening to this has seen the movie Captain Phillips. That's where they took him after he was rescued from the Somali pirates. And, uh Quite a quite a wonderful place to grow up. To be very honest with you, uh, right on the Indian Ocean, and uh, I I think we moved there in 1965. Uh, my brother and I, and then my mom and dad, Marshall and Margie Duncan, and I remember Dad sharing with the congregation one Sunday morning at Ridgedale Baptist Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. He said God spoken to our our family. He said He spoke to my wife and I, really uh, not in an audible way necessarily, but just in, in uh, certainty in their heart that God had called them to to international or foreign missions, as it was called at that time. And they went with a foreign mission board uh, to East Africa. And I, I remember wondering, I was telling my dad, I don't think I've got, God's ever said anything to me about going to Africa, but <laughs> I found out I got to go to Africa too. <laughs> so we 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 moved to to uh, Mombasa. I went to a British primary school there. Uh, it was uh, it was an interesting experience. Loved it. Uh, I grew up uh, playing soccer with my African friends who lived in a little village right across uh, from where our home was in a little suburb of Mombasa called Nyali. We had to drive across a pontoon bridge to get there, and we lived in an area that was was near this uh, group of people group called the Giriyama people. And, so all my buddies would come play soccer with me every day, and it ended up having a huge impact on my future. And we'll probably get to that at some point. But uh, well, I got to ask you this, I, if you don't mind, Alan, did you pick up a British accent? Because you still have that Tennessee accent. 
Well, I'm going to tell you, there is always a story behind missionary kids' accents because they are very adaptable, okay? Mm-hmm. And I do have a strong Tennessee accent. I, I talked exactly like a little British kid when I was at, at, at Mombasa Primary School. From first grade through fourth grade, when we came back to the States, I spoke just like a Brit and probably could get close even now just because uh, I enjoy accents. But uh, I, will, I will tell you, when we came back to, to the States for our first furlough, <laughs> my mom is from Clinton, Tennessee. And uh, so we went to Clinton. I went to Clinton Elementary School. And I'm going to tell you something. I wasn't going to survive long there with that British accent. <laughs> 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 so I, I made a quick adjustment to an East Tennessee, uh, Anderson County, uh, mm-hmm. hillbilly uh, hillbilly accent and you know we went back overseas uh, obviously after our furlough but we moved to Nairobi Kenya at that time and I am leapfrogging my, my, my conversion experience so I'll come back to that okay. but we went to Nairobi Kenya and, and I went to a, a school that was owned by the Mennonite missions missionaries and all the teachers were American so from 5th grade I mean from 6th grade on all of my teachers, either at Roslyn Academy in Nairobi, and then when I went to the boarding school, Rift Valley Academy, all of my teachers were American missionaries that were, uh, you know, working with either the Mennonites or the African Inland Mission. And all of my classmates, well, not all of my classmates, but the majority of my classmates were American. So my American accent stuck from <laughs> from being in Clinton. I just I've always had a southern twang since then, even though I I talk just like a like a little guy from uh, London, England until I was (laughs) in the fifth grade. But after that, uh, I I was was in an American school from then on out. Now I could speak Swahili and and speak Swahili and sound just like a a Kenyan because most kids that develop uh, a language when when they're growing up there, they can get the tonation. Right, whereas that's tough for adults. But anyway, long story short, that's how I ended up this accent. <laughs> gotcha. Pick up with your story. Sorry for the interruption, but it was worth hearing. Yeah, moved to Mombasa, played soccer with my African buddies every day. had had uh, had the privilege of you know being being exposed to just some wonderful Christian uh, you know uh, nationals, and then also we. My dad's first assignment was at Mombasa Baptist High School. We had a mission, the Southern Baptist had a, had a high school there that all of the teachers were our missionaries. And uh, my dad was the Bible teacher and he was also the pastor for the church on mm-hmm. the, on the, uh, it was an English speaking church on the campus of Mombasa Baptist High School, even though it was, you know, because of the English school system there and the colonial system still being so fresh that the school, schools that were in English. And uh, that was the, the, the language of finance and power, so to mm, speak. Mm-hmm. So even though the national language was Swahili. Uh, so anyway, uh, we we are, are, are going to church there on Sundays. And I, like I said, I went to Mombasa Primary School, and I'm playing soccer with my African buddies. And I'm exposed to these uh, wonderful Christian nationals and all of these missionaries. I, I tell folks that I knew a lot about Jesus. I knew a lot of folks who knew Jesus. But uh, there was a just a real vacuum in my heart. I, I I was I was came to the realization I was lost and needed a savior. Now mm. I I will not tell you this story just to sound you know sensational. But my brother and I were hunting with my dad. We used to, used to have to go kill our our food you know because the butcheries weren't that hygienic at that stage. 
we okay. didn't really worry about what kind of meat we ate. So we, we, we did a lot of hunting uh, as a family, and we'd go out in the bush for, you know, sometimes two weeks at a pop, stay in a tent, get a freezer full of meat, and come back. Wow. Uh, so, so anyway, one time we were stalking some zebra. We had a really good uh, African tracker that was helping us. And uh, we walked right into uh, the area where there was a pride of lions and some hyena, and they got real aggressive. And so hmm. my dad had my brother and I climb a tree, and then we'd, there was another missionary with us, so we climbed up this tree. And my brother, to this day, love, he's two years younger than me. He loves to tell everybody that he didn't cry, but I, I cried because <laughs> it scared me, man. I'm telling you. You know, the Bible does say the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah. We did get up the tree and find out what the problem was. There was a zebra that they had killed, and it, and they were in the shade getting ready for supper after they'd had it for lunch. And so when we were walking away from them, trying to move away from them, we were actually moving right toward that, that zebra that they had killed. And so they uh, got aggro uh. because of that. So my dad said, look, let me go down, and I'll go back to the car, and uh, if, if they don't give me any trouble, I'll, I've got my gun with me. And, so, so he went down, went the other direction, and there was absolutely no problem after that. So I always tell folks mm-hmm. that uh, that that was such a, you know, a startling experience for me to realize, hey, I may not live forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I've always said lions sound a lot louder when they're not behind a cage. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, it wasn't long after that, that that I talked to my dad and mom. I said, you know, mom, dad, I'm worried. I, I don't know that I'm going to go to heaven. I know. I know you know the Lord, and I know that uh, everybody that seems like our missionary friends, they talk about having a relationship with Christ and knowing that heaven is their home. It just seems like that's not the case with me. I, I know a lot about Jesus. I just don't know that I have a relationship with him. And so I was nine years old, and dad and mom sat down and uh, shared the gospel with me, and I, I still was trying to work it through. But I remember on a Sunday morning at Mombasa Baptist High School, my dad was preaching. And it came to an invitation. It's just like the Lord broke my heart. I remember just weeping, you know, just tears of joy, knowing I needed to be saved. I knew I was a sinner, and I knew I was ready to give my heart to Christ. And I needed to turn from my own sin and trust Christ as my Savior. And I, I made the public confession of faith that my dad led me to Christ right there at the at, the, at that altar. Mm. Uh, so that's a that's a very precious memory to me and I, I think I was one of the first if not the first person uh, my dad baptized in Kenya and uh, there's a, I've got a picture right behind my desk here where I'm sitting with him uh, of me standing with my dad in the Indian Ocean and three other young African high schoolers that were baptized with me that day so it was a wonderful day wonderful wonderful now did you say Alan how old you were I think I was nine years old right between eight or nine years old if I'm Right in that, right in that area. Okay, wonderful. So you get saved, you get baptized, and then what? Well, uh, you know, I I was like a lot of preachers' kids. Uh, I I was uh, around around the, the scripture a lot, and I my dad was a preacher, and I I was you know. Trying to, I wanted to grow in the Lord, but I also, when we went back to the States for that year in Clinton, I, I, I kind of got into this mode of, you know, hey, I don't want to be just known as the, the missionary kid from Kenya. So I, I probably started making poor choices with my life. And I kind of never got serious about my faith 
probably from about the fifth grade through the eighth grade, and really at times Richard from the Lord, and uh, I think caused my parents great concern. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was uh, when I was in high school, uh, ninth grade in Powell High School, we'd come back, and uh, God really been dealing with my life, and 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 I and I remember I was at First Baptist Church in Powell, Tennessee, and made a recommitment in my life. I knew I was saved. I knew I knew the Lord, but I, I wasn't serious about my faith. It's like God just really got a hold of me and said, you know, Alan, I, I, I've saved you and, and I've changed your life and heart, made you a new person. And you need to get serious about letting others know that instead of hiding that light under a bushel. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, I, I made a, I made a decision just to recommit my life afresh and anew to the Lord. And you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, hardly any time at all after that, that that the Lord began to call me to the ministry. And then I, I, at least I just felt like God was calling me to preach. At that time, that's what I understood. It. I, I remember mm-hmm. I, one girl looked at me when I went forward to make that decision this, that morning. <laughs> I remember she said, where are you going? Said, I'm going to recommit my life to Christ. And she said, I believe that when I see it. <laughs> I'll never forget <laughs> that. <laughs> but uh, I'll tell you, the Lord, just really got a hold of me and uh, surrounded myself with uh, you know some great Christian friends uh, there at uh, there in Powell, and then we met, went back to Kenya. I went to Rift Valley Academy, uh, was the student chaplain at the school. But you know, I just I was just a young Christian wanting to learn to grow in my faith. But God really put a burden on my heart, you know, to share my faith. And so I remember w- when I was home from uh, boarding school one one semester we, we would go three months and be off a month I, I had the privilege to lead one of my uh african friends named george karayuki to christ and uh, the the lord just used that to, to put in my mind said you know there's there's george karayuki's all over this continent who've never heard the, the good news of christ and you know i, I began to, i really believe that the lord used that experience to begin to Put my heart a call to international missions. You know, I didn't know that I, I thought I would probably come back to Kenya, but the Lord ended uh, had other plans for us. But but it was a, a real eye opener to realize, hey, you know, when you're in high school, that's the that's the, that's the time to start telling your friends about Christ or wherever you come to know Christ. You don't mm-hmm. get the junior Holy Spirit. That's what I tell people mm-hmm. when you when you trust the Lord, you don't get the junior Holy Spirit. You get all of Christ in you, the hope of glory. So, Amen. Uh, We've been called to be fishers of men. Amen. And uh, as you point out, you can be a witness immediately after you're converted. Absolutely. Matter of fact, that's that is that is a conviction that I have that is is uh, I've, I've seen so many people, you know, kind of get this idea in their head. Well, once I really know the Bible, once I, mm-hmm. you know, maybe taught Sunday school, once I've you know, been to church for a while, but you know, the people that made the most impact for Christ in, in Scripture, uh, in in terms of you know stories we have about evangelism, were often those who just said, "Hey, I once was lost. <laughs> I once was blind, but now I see. I once was lost, now I'm found." Uh, the woman at the well. I mean, uh, the Ethiopian. I mean, there, there's just story after story in, in Scripture that God just uses ordinary people to tell a simple gospel. Story, and that is Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised again on the third day, according to the Scripture. And uh, you know that that the Spirit of God just giving you the boldness and willingness to share that 
That's that's key to personal evangelism in my perspective. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. And I remember a great pastor who I wish I could remember who it was, heard who I heard say it, but said, if you're not fishing, you're not following. <laughs> Amen. That's really good. Yeah. It's our identity. Yeah. He said, yeah. you are my witnesses. And, you know, he also said, you're am- ambassadors. That's who you are. Absolutely. Speaking Absolutely. on his behalf. And, that, and that's something the Lord always just impressed upon my heart is, you know, as, as important as the, the call to preach was to me, but what became most important in my life because of my love for sports and uh, being a part of a team, I always wanted to say, hey, if, if that player is sitting beside me in the locker room or if that coach doesn't know that I'm serious about my faith in Christ and not willing to share the, the gospel with them, then, I, I, you know, I, well, how can I get up and preach and challenge people? Uh, to share their faith in Christ. So I, I think it has to be a, a part of lifestyle, and I, I love that concept of intentionality. Amen. Amen. That's good. All right. Well, hey, it's hard to believe it, but we're running out of time for this episode. So, Alan, if you don't mind, we're going to uh, wrap this particular one up, and we'll continue the rest of our interview, and we'll invite our listeners to come back next week to hear part two of our time with Alan Duncan. And just for a little teaser, I, I think we're, we're, I know where you're headed with this story. We're going to pick up with your story, which ends up with you in college sports and actually in a career as a professional athlete prior to you returning to the mission field. Is that correct? That's correct. As a matter of fact, uh, I played a game or two, if I'm not mistaken, in Jacksonville uh, with the, in the USFL. <laughs> okay, that's right. Yeah, you would have played here. So yes, but we'll, we'll hear more of that story uh, in part two. So I uh, want to invite everybody to come back next week and join us for part two of our interview with Alan Duncan. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sound of Truth. If you enjoyed it, please rate and review it. Also, tell your friends about it. Thanks. Music is by Canon and is used by permission. Sound of Truth podcast is produced in collaboration with Harvest Jacksonville. It is copyrighted by Brett A. Mirani, 2022.